Welcome to the Well Community Jokes. I will never forget a year ago today. Friday, March 13th. Landon was in school. It was his last day before March break. Amanda was teaching at another school and Kinsley was at my mother-in-law's so that I could go to Starbucks, my office at the time, and work on the finishing touches of our 2020 vision night that was going to be happening the next day at our church service. However, as the week continued to come to a close, more and more things were shutting down due to this something bug virus that we didn't know much of back then but are very familiar with now known as COVID-19. And the day before, we actually found out that schools were going to be closed for the following two weeks after March break. So now we are wrestling with, okay, schools are closing down for three weeks to help flatten the curve. What do we do to navigate it as a church? Especially since that night I was supposed to be sharing the vision for 2020 and suddenly I wasn't so confident in what the vision even was anymore. So I picked up Landon from school and we went over to my in-laws to have a family dinner, to meet Amanda and Kinsley there. And little did we know that even that would be one of our last family dinners for a long, long time. But when I got there, I also decided I need to give the leadership team a call. I need to get their thoughts on what's happening and whether or not I should go through with this or what should we do. And I came out of that conversation and we had all kind of felt that the best and the wisest decision was to pull the plug, was to postpone our vision night for a later date, hopefully just a few weeks out. So that's exactly what we did. And that's exactly what we're still doing. We keep kind of hoping that, okay, in, in a month or two months or a few weeks, we'll be able to do this. And then it gets pushed back a bit further and a bit further. And I've said it before, and it's still true. I never could have imagined this being online for a year. Like, I don't know what I would have done if you told me a year ago, I'd still be sitting in my kitchen preaching online. It's just so surreal and nothing I ever envisioned or dreamed of. And I still remember throwing around ideas about, okay, how can we bring people together for Easter? And I called the drive-in movie theater. I called local churches and our sponsor church and said, hey, can we partner up and do like a drive-in style? What's possible? But as things continued to develop, we realized it just wasn't the right thing to do. It just wasn't the wisest thing to do. So then things kept getting pushed out. And then I started planning for a Father's Day return at the church. And I thought, surely by then, by the middle of June, we'll be back in person. Whew, boy, was I, <laughs> was I wrong. And here we are. It, it, it's different. It, it's unexpected. It's not anything that I had planned of doing, and I'm sure you hadn't planned of doing, but the fact is that it still kept us together. 
that it has still kept us centered and growing in our relationship with one another in a different way, but also with Jesus. By being able to still have this online ministry, we've been able to meet together and center ourselves on the person of Jesus. And for that, I am forever grateful. Thank you. Thank you for journeying with me, for reminding me that I'm not alone. And I hope I can remind you that you are not alone. So what are some of the things you remember most from this past year? What are some of the things you've learned about yourself or others? Or maybe you've picked up a new hobby. Have you developed any good habits that you want to continue to hold on to even when things return to normal? I use that loosely. Or what have you lost this past year? How are you paying attention to that and, and expressing your grief? Do you have anyone who's bearing witness to that grief with you? And what setbacks have you experienced? All those quest questions are going to be answered differently by different people. But I believe it's important to reflect on this year that we just went through to help guide us into the year ahead. Are you able to be gracious to both the good and the bad, your strengths and your weaknesses? 2020 was a year that none of us expected. In fact, most churches had this whole 2020 vision game plan because it just goes with the whole 2020 vision thing. And it's kind of like God's like, you don't even have a clue what's about to happen. There were highs and lows, surprises and setbacks, successes and failures. There were times I was on cloud nine, just like, yes, this is great. I'm with my family so much. I love being able to, to talk to new people that it's, it's opened us up to. But then there were times that I wanted to throw in the towel. I wanted to give up because I'm sure it doesn't come as a surprise, but sitting here in my kitchen week after week by myself isn't always that fulfilling. And wondering who's on the other side watching this. It, what impact are we actually having? One thing 2020 forced me to do time and time again, week after week, even day after day, it forced me to get to know me. And as much as I'd love to continue to get to know and work on the good parts of me, it actually forced me to battle my inner demons, my, my struggles, my self-doubts, my insecurities, the negative patterns and habits that just slowly you pick up and accumulate over time and you don't even realize it until you're forced to just sit there. But what I kept coming back to time and time again was that I needed a fuller understanding. I needed to keep coming back to the understanding of who I am in Christ, who I am in Jesus. What does he say about me? Because the only way to battle our self-criticism is to remind ourselves who we truly are. As one author puts it, the Jesus message is first and foremost an announcement of who you are. 
It's about your identity, about the new word that has been spoken about you, the love that has always been yours. If you start with instructions and commands, people might be mistaken into thinking that God loves us because what we do or how religious we are or moral or good we are. That's not gospel. Gospel is the announcement of who God insists you are. That you are a child of God. Not because of how great you are, but because God has all kinds of kids and you're one of them. You are loved. As we keep telling ourselves who we are, as we step into who we are in Christ, who our best selves are, as you keep reminding yourself of your true identity in Jesus, then there's a good chance you'll figure out what to do next. Sometimes the church and Christianity can get caught up with trying to, to change people's behaviors. But scripture even starts with telling us who we are, who God made us to be. Which is what I want us to look at tonight. I want us to look at who we are in Christ and then what we can do as a result of who we are in Christ. I want us to look at someone who Christ transformed in a complete 180 and who wants to help us put our learning, our head knowledge, into practice. The good, the bad, and the ugly. You see, the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Rome with a simple, practical energy and a vision for Christian living. And I believe he offers us a bit of a paradigm for how to navigate these hard, challenging, and unprecedented times. So if you have your Bible with you or your phone, or if you need a Bible, go to the uh, bible.com slash app to download one. But turn with me to Romans chapter 12, and we're going to be looking at verses 9 through 13. So I'm going to read this from the message translation because I love how it's articulated and brought to life. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master, Jesus. Cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Did you catch the beginning? Love from the center of who you are. Before getting to the practical, he reminds us to ground ourselves in the reassurance of who we are. Love from the center of who you are. Love from who Jesus made you to be. Well, who are you? You are a child of God, created in his image and deeply, deeply loved. You're valuable. You matter. That's right. You are loved. Sometimes for those of us who've grown up in the Christian tradition and have followed Jesus for a while, we can forget that simple truth. But you are loved despite what you do. 
And when you know just how much you're loved, you can then offer that love to others. Loved people love people. For Paul, love isn't just about how you feel though, or it's not about how you make others feel. Love is connected with helping other people out in their various needs. Love is shown by what you do. That's one of the reasons we chose not to meet even when restrictions started easing up because we wanted to demonstrate a love for our neighbors, a love for the church we shared with another congregation, a love for our community. But that doesn't mean we couldn't stop preaching the gospel and the good news of Jesus. Love is shown by what you do. Paul encourages us to continue to hate what is evil. Run from it. Get rid of it. Put it behind you. Do the hard work of battling your battles. Because as you do, as you face your fears, your struggles, as you lean into it and deal with it head on, or even as you battle, like I mentioned earlier, those inner demons, and instead you cling to Jesus, you cling to what is good, what is true, and what is pure, you will continue to discover love life, and freedom. This is what Jesus offers. And as you receive that life that Jesus offers you, it will transform you into a good friend who loves deeply. Here's where Paul now begins to take us a step further. After anchoring ourselves in who we are in light of who Jesus is, and tells us we are, Paul now gives us some practical steps for Christian living amidst a challenging world. And the first step is pace yourself. I think this is going to be so important in navigating the days ahead that we pace ourselves as things start reopening. Different translations interpret this verse differently. Some say, don't burn out. Don't lose your zeal. Don't hesitate to be enthusiastic. But Paul is driving home the point of pacing yourself because you have nothing to offer or draw from if you're depleted. Some of the best advice I was ever given when I started as a youth pastor was that my relationship with Jesus is my ministry. But that doesn't just apply to my role within the church. My relationship with Jesus is what's going to fuel my life. It's what's going to transform me into a better person and husband and dad and son and brother and whatever other hats I wear. It's not just a professional ministry thing. It's a human thing. Your relationship with Jesus is your ministry to your family, to your friends, to your coworker, to your community, and to the world. You have something to offer and your relationship with Jesus is going to sustain you and fuel you for the long run. But you have to pace yourself. This past year has consisted of unlearning things and learning new things, letting go of some expectations and continually reevaluating and adjusting other expectations, most of mine being self-imposed. But regardless, I believe now more than ever, as we get closer to reopening our communities and our churches and our doors, we have to pace ourselves. 
We have to make sure we're prioritizing our relationship with Jesus so that we can remain fueled and aflame, so that we can operate it out of who we are in him. Anything less is a recipe for burnout. The second step in navigating the days ahead as a follower of Jesus is to be cheerfully expectant. What have you been expecting this year? What happened or what didn't happen? I was expecting to get back to meeting in person before the end of the year. I was expecting the curve to flatten more than it did so we could start reopening things again. I was expecting to develop and strengthen some of the relationships within our church and within our community. I've had to grieve some of these missed expectations. They, they've hurt. But while some things didn't go as expected, other things happened and occurred that I got to celebrate. I got to lead someone to Jesus through text messaging. I'd never done that before. We still keep in touch to this day, and it's been incredible to see God working in her life. She actually just sent me a podcast recently that she had recorded about hope and joy found in Christ. I've also had several phone call conversations from people who've admitted to me that they would never step foot in the, the door of a church. They'd never step foot in a church building but because they're able to discover and explore Jesus from the comfort and safety of their own homes, they've been willing to ask questions and get connected and find out more. It's been incredible. Or the fact that we've never been able to do these studies where men and women can be together for the study because most of us or many of us have young children at home. But because of COVID and being forced to be at home and use Zoom, we were able to run a marriage course for both spouses at the same time. And we saw 15 couples from our church community and broader community. Those are things that I cannot take for granted. You see, being cheerfully expectant isn't a blind naivety, but rather it's a confident hope. It's a confident hope that God will show up, that Jesus is still working despite what's going on around us. My list of expectations was all about me and the way I expected things to go, but being cheerfully expectant means expecting and trusting that God will show up despite me and my best efforts or whatever the year may hold. And the amazing thing is he did. He did time and time again. In so many ways, God has shown up that it makes me laugh at how small my expectations were. Are you cheerfully expectant that God will show up? Again, it's not fake it till you make it. It's not this false positivity, but it's just knowing that God is on the move. I guarantee that God will continue to show up. He assures you that he will. I believe it's this hope that grounds us and pulls us out of our present difficult circumstances and draws us into worship. This is how Paul can tell the Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Because it doesn't matter what you're facing. You can be confident in what God is yet to do.
The third step in navigating the days ahead as a follower of Jesus, don't quit. How many times have you wanted to throw it in the towel, to throw up your hands and just be done with 2020? And now for that matter, getting to the point of being like, okay, and I'm done with 2021. <laughs> you just want to be done with whatever new challenges or responsibilities were suddenly thrown on you. All I can say is me too. I I'm with you. I hear you. This past year of online ministry, like I said, it's been hard. I miss you. I want to see you. I want to be with you and worship together and laugh with one another and see one another's kids growing up. My daughter just turned five the other day. I can't believe it. And this time last year, I was preparing for a spring baptism service. I was preparing for another family dedication service. And Kyle and I were joking around the other day that when we're finally able to have a family dedication service, their youngest, Owen, is just going to walk himself up for it. And I'm like, oh man, time is going by fast and I miss you. And seriously, the challenge of recording from my kitchen week after week and wondering who's watching and what's the point, and it's hard. And I don't say this to make you feel bad by any means or to throw myself a pity party. I'm saying this to reassure you that you're not alone. Whatever it is you're facing, the difficulties, the challenges, I get it. But you have a God who's also present with you. He gets it. There are days that we all want to quit, but Paul encourages us, do not quit. Don't throw in the towel. It was oddly enough around those most challenging days, those difficult days that someone would just suddenly reach out to me. They'd call me or text me or I'd get a random message on Facebook. And it would remind me of how God is using me, despite me even knowing. I've been in touch with people from California to Abbotsford, BC, Saskatchewan, Alberta, Nova Scotia. Like, we're here to make a difference in Binbrook, but God is also using our online ministry to reach these faraway places. It's been mind-blowing and incredible. And it's those things that would encourage me to keep going. So if you're having one of those days or one of those weeks, let me be the person to tell you, hang in there. It gets better. Don't quit. Don't give up. The world needs you. We need you and all that you have to offer. Christ has made you with a unique DNA and he's made you just as you are. Some other translations say be patient in affliction. But patience may give the wrong impression. This isn't about a passive putting up with it. This is about an active, faithful endurance. Leaning into it. This is part of discipleship. This is part of being a student and being a follower of Jesus. Things may not go the way we want them to or the way we've planned, but don't give If you've seen some of my earlier messages, you know that I wanted to have a Christmas Eve service in a barn. And 
Due to COVID, we weren't able to pull it off this past year, but it doesn't mean it was canceled, it's done with, it's not gonna happen. It simply means that it's been delayed. But I keep pressing on. <laughs> Side note, whenever I say pressing on, it reminds me of this story, and forgive me if I've shared it before, but several years ago when I was still ministering out in BC, Amanda and I came home for vacation and we stayed with her parents and it had been a challenging season then. And I remember sharing with her parents that one night that we arrived, just some of the difficulties I'd been facing. And the next morning I woke up, I was the first to wake up in the house and I went to make coffee and there was a little note on the counter that said, press on. And I was just like, wow, that's what I needed to hear. And I felt so heard and seen that they would just leave me this note of encouragement. And I grabbed my coffee and I went out to the back deck and just soaked in the summer heat that Ontario offers. And then a, f a bit later, my father-in-law came out and I said, thanks so much for your note of encouragement. And he's like, what note of encouragement? I said, the one you left on the counter, press on. He's like, oh, that wasn't encouragement. I'm glad you took it as such, but it was actually just to let you know I'd already made coffee. You just had to press the on button. <laughs> I don't know what it was. That just struck me so funny, but it was just such a great reminder that, you know what, in the midst of difficult seasons, don't quit. Press on. No matter what you're facing today, hear Paul's encouragement. Do not quit in hard times. The fourth step in navigating the days ahead as a follower of Jesus is to pray hard. We just wrapped up our How to Pray series a couple of weeks ago, and the one thing I kept trying to stress was to keep it, keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. You see, Paul's vision for Christian living isn't about quick fixes or band-aid solutions. He, Paul knows the people he was writing to. And he knew that up until today, the people that he wrote to would face hardships, would face difficulties and unbelievable pain. But that's why we must pray more. Because as we submit ourselves before Jesus in prayer, that's where Jesus is able to begin transforming us. I have a very cool story of how I witnessed God's work in my friend's life and our church's life just in the past few months. One of the most significant challenges for me in online ministry was video editing. It was already a lot of work to put together the services, to study for it, to record them, but then to have to do the final touches and put it all together. It was so tedious and time consuming. So I brought it up with the leadership team. I brought it up with Amanda and I said, I need to start praying about how I can offload the, this, this demand, this time-consuming activity. So after I'd begun praying about it, Amanda came up to me and said, why don't you ask your friend Ben in BC? You might remember him. He came to visit the well a year and a half ago. But I said, well, yeah, I guess I could reach out to him, but I know he already has a full-time job. Well, the next day, Ben messaged me asking for prayer because he had just been laid off from his job. So of course I agreed to pray with him, but I also floated out the idea saying, hey, I know you're already in photography, but what about video editing? Could I teach you how to do that? Could, could you learn the ropes a bit? 
and I can pay you a little bit. It, it by no means is enough to support you, but it's a small amount. And he jumped on it and said, absolutely, I'd be willing to do this. So that was a huge answer to prayer for me. And I've told him several times that he was an answer to prayer. However, as time went on and he continued to apply for job after job himself, he started to lose hope saying, well, that's great that your prayers have been answered, but I need a job. So we began praying all the more. And I began praying for him constantly. We prayed for him on Wednesday mornings in our group prayer. I even passed his information along to our sponsor church, his prayer team. And just last week, he was offered his former job back with a raise. Like, what an answer to prayer. And there have been several opportunities that I've had to pray with people and for people in just the last few weeks, and I've seen God answer. I've seen God move. You know what? This pandemic has helped people lean into prayer. People who haven't prayed in years or some people who've never prayed at all. But I know it can be tough when there's things we've been praying for day after day, year after year, and we, we keep praying and we're wondering, okay, God, when are you gonna answer? Let me encourage you with Paul's words. Don't quit. Pray all the harder. Keep praying. Don't give up. Persistent prayer is part of following Jesus. The fifth and final step in navigating the days ahead as a follower of Jesus is to practice creative hospitality. I love how the message translates it. Be inventive in hospitality. This is going to be a hallmark in moving forward to reach our community with the life-transforming news of Jesus. Yes, we can celebrate that we survived a year of online ministry. Yes, we can celebrate all the ways that God has moved over the past year. But if we're not ready to be inventive, to get creative in our hospitality and opening ourselves up to our neighbors and friends and family, then what we're doing will stall. And the last thing I want for our church for our families, for you, is to become stagnant in your walk with Christ. We have to keep our foot on the gas. We have to be creative in hospitality in how we're going to move forward in sharing the good news of Jesus. You see, Paul traveled for his ministry. He, he took the good news of Jesus from place to place, as many places as he could, with purpose and intentionality. And it mattered that where he went, he would find hospitality, that he would be welcomed in as a guest, even among people he had never met before. So Paul's not merely advocating for a pleasant social ex experience among your friends. Like, yeah, just have a get together with, with your, your friends. But he's saying, use your imagination to welcome others, to welcome the stranger, to welcome those you don't know yet in order to extend my love and my grace, and my forgiveness to them. Help me transform their lives just as I've transformed yours. And you know what? This brings us full circle. Because as we practice creative hospitality, it, we need to use vigorous effort to help people. 
even people we don't know, in order to advance God's kingdom. But in order to do that and have the, the energy and the sustenance, the fuel to keep going, we have to know who we are in Christ. And as we know who we are in Christ, it will produce creative hospitality. And then we continue to share with others about who we are in Christ and who they are too. It's full circle. We go back to verse 9. Love from the center of who you are. Do you know that you're a deeply loved child of God? Do you know that God is present with you and he's wanting to hear from you? Do you know that whatever you're facing, whatever you're struggling with, he offers forgiveness, redemption, renewal, and restoration. Jesus offers you new life, a life marked by love and freedom. Despite what this past year has held, as you surrender your life to Jesus, as we all do, as we lean into him, he will transform us from the selfish, idle, driven, sinful, hopeless people that we were into something entirely different. So that we spend money differently, we treat our spouses differently, our friends, our children, our, our strangers differently, neighbors, that we raise our kids differently, we do our jobs differently. Everything changes for the better as we put our lives into the hands of Jesus. As you give your life to Jesus, as you surrender your life to him, you will become a different person, a better person. But you have to follow him and where he takes you. It's not simply adding Jesus onto your existing life. It's about reorienting everything around him, making him first in your life. So as we continue to navigate the days ahead, pace yourself, be cheerfully expectant, don't quit, pray hard, and practice creative hospitality. But I also encourage you to take some time to reflect on this past year. Ask yourself, are you closer to Jesus now than you were a year ago? Why or why not? What have you gained this year? What have you lost? or fill in the blanks. A year ago, I blank, but now I blank. If I could do this year all over again, I'd blank. In March, 2022, one year from now, I'd hope that blank. Taking some time to reflect on these things and to lean into Jesus, talk to him about them will help prepare you for what's ahead. So take some time. Krista Hessling from soulplay.ca has put together a personal pandemic evaluation, questions to help you reflect one year in, and she's given me permission to share it. So I've linked it in our description. You can download the PDF and go through some of her questions and some of her fill in the blanks. But most importantly, I pray that wherever you find yourself, whatever this year has held, that you know that you are a deeply loved child of God. And I pray that you will give your life to following Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your faithful presence with us throughout this past year. A year ago this time, we had no idea what to expect. 
But God, you have continued to show up and reveal yourself to us in so many ways. And I thank you for that. But God, I pray for those who are still struggling, those who are far from you, those who are grieving. God, I pray that you draw near to them, comfort them, and reveal your loving presence to them. God, I pray tonight that we all continue to surrender our lives to you and that we choose the path of discipleship, that we choose the path of following you. And I ask that as we do so, that you transform us from the inside out for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.